0: Welcome to the Spooky Edition of the Anxious Adventure Podcast. For the month of October, I'm talking to you about spooky travel destinations. October is one of my most favorite times of year. I love Halloween and anything that has to do with the holiday. Right about now, I'm watching all of my favorite Halloween scary and yes, oh so cheesy movies and included in the mix is Disney's Hocus Pocus. I know. But I grew up watching this movie from year to year, and it's become a little bit of an October tradition of mine. So much so that I've always wanted to visit where it was filmed. And today, I'm taking you along with me to this spooky and haunted town. Hello, my name is Katie Schlegel. I'm your host of the Anxious Adventure podcast, and I'm an anxious adventurer. I know that sounds contradicting, but I'm here to tell you that if the thought of traveling somewhere brings up those feelings of anxiety or stress, you've come to the right place. I've traveled to over 17 countries around the world, I've lived in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and trekked across South America solo. I don't say these things to impress you. No, that is not what I'm here for. I say these things to let you know that every single one of those experiences had moments where my anxiety made me feel like I could not do it. So if that's how you feel, or have ever felt, you're not alone. In today's episode, Spooky Edition, I'm taking you on a trip to the East Coast of the United States, to a little town that's known for celebrating Halloween like no other. Are you ready? Pack those bags, and depending on where you're listening from in the world, grab your passports, because we're about to embark on a spooktacular adventure to Salem. Massachusetts. Welcome to Salem, Massachusetts. When it comes to fall destinations, only a handful of places can beat Salem. Salem is a historic coastal city in Exus County, Massachusetts, located on the north shore of greater Boston. Europeans began to settle here in 1626 with the English colonists. With this colonization, Salem would become one of the most significant seaports for trading commodities in early American history. You may also know Salem as the town where the infamous Salem Witch Trials took place. Salem's connection to Halloween begins with these tragic events that unfolded during the Salem Witch Trials. The witchcraft allegations started with Abigail Williams, Betty Paris, and their friends in early 1692. This group of young girls accused several local women in Salem of witchcraft. Soon, those accusations grew into a wave of hysteria that spread through the small colony. These accusations led to a series of hearings and prosecutions, and more than 200 people were accused of practicing witchcraft. In the end, 19 people were found guilty and hanged. Another was pressed to death, and five others died while they were in jail. It ended up being the deadliest witch hunt in U.S. history. And just to note, the 19 innocent victims who lost their lives in 1692 were actually not witches. They were only accused of being such due to the Puritan beliefs of the time. Alright, let's fast forward to the year 1982. During the Halloween weekend that year, the City of Salem planned their very first Salem Haunted Happenings Festival. The festival was an effort to provide family-friendly events for guests who were interested in visiting the Witch City. The now annual event has continued to grow each season drawing in everyone you can imagine, from families, couples, history buffs, and Halloween enthusiasts from all over the world. Now before we get into the haunted tales of Salem, Massachusetts, I want to take you back to the origin of Halloween and where it began. The origins of Halloween dates all the way back to the Celts of ancient Ireland, who celebrated the new year on November 1st. That day marked the transition from the warm, fruitful summer months to the cold and dark winter, a period that was most often associated with death. So on October 31st, the night before the new year, they celebrated what was known as Samhain. It was on this night that the boundary between the living world and the world of the dead became thin, and ghosts could return to walk the earth, or so they believed. People gathered around in costumes to disguise themselves from the ghosts, tried to tell each other's fortunes, enjoyed a big feast, and made lanterns out of gourds. Sounds fun, right? These pagan traditions continued until Christianity extended its influence into the Celtic lands, and the celebration became toned down quite a bit. The name Halloween actually came from the Christian All Souls Day celebration, also known as All Hallows. And since All Hallows was on November 1st, folks began to call Salwin All Hallows Eve. With that being said, if you're looking for a town to have a one of a kind Halloween night experience with a lot of ghosts or at least ghost stories, look no further than Salem, Massachusetts. When people talk about the most haunted cities to visit, Salem almost always comes up on the list. And this leads us into our very first ghost story that connects all the way back to those witch trials. Introducing the ghosts of Proctor's Ledge. On the lookout for ghosts, take a peek off Proctor's Ledge. Once the hanging hill of Salem witch trials, Proctor's Ledge has seen its unfair share of suffering. 19 of the falsely accused were hanged at the location with their bodies discarded in a nearby crevice. Yet Proctor's Ledge wasn't identified as the execution site until January 2016. Until then, it was thought to be Gallows Hill. The mix-up is understandable, though, as Proctor's Ledge is located between Proctor Street and Pope Street in a quiet and unassuming part of town, as it overlooks a Walgreens, and it is located in a residential area. Now, let's travel back in time to 1692, when this small village of Essex County, Massachusetts, bore witness to America's most lethal witch hunt. Over 200 were accused and 19 executed. Sarah Good, Elizabeth Howe, Susanna Martin, Rebecca Nurse, and Sarah Wilds were the first witches hanged at Proctor's Ledge, but they would not be the last. Their charge? you may ask? Witchcraft, based on the eyewitness accounts of the supposed afflicted. Imagine yourself back in 1692, and if two young girls were seized with strange fits, what better suspect than the supernatural? To put it plainly, witchcraft was an easy excuse, and the witch hysteria had Salem Village under its spell. Paranoia generated prejudice, and neighbor turned against neighbor. The testimonies were unsubstantiated, the testifiers untrue. Even though the accused protested their innocence, they were hanged without a fair trial. And their bodies, well, were unceremoniously cast off in the crevice. From what I read, it's a ghastly history that created a ghoulish company. So... Do Salem spirits of the falsely accused really haunt Proctor's Ledge? Local legend has it that a lady in white frequents Proctor's Ledge. Some visitors have claimed to have caught sight of her. Others only catch a disembodied voice that some say is hers, while others visiting the area also have encountered cold spots and incandescent orbs suggesting that they may just be in the presence of one of the ghosts that haunts Proctor's Ledge. But are these souls of those lost to Salem's witch trials? Or does Proctor's Ledge contain the residual energies of those unjustly executed? If the bodies of the Beloved were left to the crevice, their spirits may have attached to the site itself. At least that's what the superstitious certainly think. If you're wondering why it is called Proctor's Ledge, that is a very good question. It is thought that Proctor's Ledge may be named after John Proctor, one of the accused, or Proctor's grandson, who later purchased the land. John Proctor had been hanged in August of 1692 after a much-publicized prosecution. It all started when Proctor doubted the validity of witchcraft during the trials accusing the afflicted girls of faking their fits. He went so far as to say that any devil in Salem was within the accusers, not the accused. Yet John Proctor wasn't convicted of witchcraft until the execution of his sister-in-law, Rebecca Nurse, and the trial of his wife, Elizabeth. It was then that Proctor's former servant, Mary Warren, said that Proctor had attempted to assault her for putting up a prayer bill Warren added that Proctor had forced her to touch the devil's book. Despite 32 neighbors attesting to Proctor's good Christian character, the court found the Proctors guilty of witchcraft. They were then sentenced, yes, his wife included, to death by hanging on August 5, 1692. John Proctor himself was executed at Proctor's Ledge on August 19th. Although there have been no artifacts of the executions found at Proctor's Ledge, its legacy is spiritual rather than material. Whether you believe in ghosts or not, there is no doubt that the souls of those falsely accused definitely haunt Salem's history. Are you ready for our next haunted tale? This one includes the haunted house of the Seven Gables. They say there's no house in Salem more haunted than the Turner Ingersoll House, better known to many as the House of the Seven Gables. With its gothic-inspired cross gables and dark-as-coffee-wood clapboards, Turner and Ingersoll's infamous House of the Seven Gables looks like something out of a Hansel and Gretel tale. The Turner Ingersoll has been giving a variety of fates over the years, And a variety of identities, too. Once the home of a hat and shoe merchant, the historic property of Salem's Derby Street now belongs to the House of the Seven Gables Settlement Association. Today, it functions as a museum and event location, welcoming all through its doors to learn about the Salem-born author, Nathaniel Hawthorne, and the life during the 1840s. But before you decide the fate of the House of the Seven Gables, let me tell you a little more of its story. It was Hawthorne's great-grandfather, John Hawthorne, without the W, who served as judge during the Salem Witch Trials of 1692. As records show, Hawthorne may have feigned sympathy for the accused witches, but he never regretted his involvement in their trials and executions and he certainly never expressed any remorse during the trials themselves for sending the accused to their deaths. It is said that Hawthorne truly believed in the evil of witchcraft and thought it to be a real threat to the population of Salem. Following the witch hysteria of the late 1600s, the Hawthorne family lost most of their wealth. Even their high status within society plummeted, no doubt influenced by the families of the accused switches who sought justice for their dead loved ones. By the time Nathaniel was born in 1804, the so-called curse of the Hawthorne family had not yet been lifted. So is the Turner-Ingersoll family home haunted? Well, it sort of depends on who you ask. Each year, the museum hosts a series of theatrical plays, all of which surround the Salem Witch Trials. Such plays as Legacy of the Hanging Judge, i.e. Judge John Hawthorne, and Spirits of the Gables, which is a recreation of Nathaniel Hawthorne's book. As for the ghosts outside of the theatrical performances, well, everyone has their opinion on that. Tour guides and employees tend to argue that the Turner Soul House is not haunted at all. When asked if there are any spirits lurking around the house, they are quick to reply, nope, no ghosts here. But local lore has a different story to tell, and so do many of the visitors who enter Salem's House of the Seven Gables. For many years, there have been a number of spirits reported at the Turner Ingersoll Mansion. There's a famous secret staircase in the mansion that many visitors say they've seen the spirit of a man clambering up and down the stairs. Those who have seen him are quick to link his ghostly existence to the Underground Railroad. But the Turner House, even during the 18th and 19th centuries, was never a stop on the Underground Railroad. And those secret steps were not even built until nearly 50 years later, after the closing of the Civil War. Others report seeing a phantom boy who enjoys playing in the attic. It is said that throughout the day, his little footsteps can be heard pouncing around upstairs as he giggles and laughs. According to one historian, the attic space once functioned as a servant's quarters for the property, so it is possible, then, that the ghostly boy is none other than one of the servants who once lived there. The last frequently seen ghost at the House of the Seven Gables is said to be that of Susanna Ingersoll, Nathan Hawthorne's cousin. She was the one who told him all about the terrible tales of the Salem Witch Hysteria, and it is said that she has been spotted walking the halls of her former home and even peeking out the windows to those who enter the estate through the garden below. So, has the ghost of Susanna Ingersoll never left? That is up to you to decide. Before we end these ghostly stories, I have one more tale to tell. On 318 Exus Street, a white, stark, colonial, asymmetrical, two-storied home sits with pedimented gables. If you look up this address, you may recognize the Ropes Mansion from Disney's Hocus Pocus. I told you, that's one of the main reasons I wanted to visit Salem in the first place, so I just had to mention this home in one of my spooky tales. If you've seen the movie, this 18th century home was the impressive backdrop for the film's Halloween party. When I visited Salem, I could see why this stunning, though spooky, property was picked. However, this home is more than just a movie mansion. In fact, The Ropes Mansion is much spookier off-screen than on. It has been mobbed, modernized, and reutilized. Yes, you heard that right, mobbed. One inhabitant even died of smallpox, and a later one caught fire. Ominous, right? Today, the Ropes Mansion is owned by the Peabody Excess Museum. But it is said that there are still a few phantoms calling the Ropes Mansion home. But who are they, and better yet, what do they want? First up is Nathaniel Ropes, the owner of the Ropes Mansion. While in his home, Ropes was mobbed as colonists threw mud, stones, and sticks at the windows. The colonists were demanding that Ropes renounce his allegiance to the British Crown. The Ropes never had the chance to do so, as he died the very next day. You may be asking, well, what did Ropes die from then? At the time of the attack, Ropes had smallpox. He died of the disease the following day, just after his house was mobbed. Although it is uncertain if the mob actually caused his death, the Ropes family felt that the disturbances of the attack hastened the infection, leaving his family without a father. He was only 47 when he died. The tragedy that besieged the Ropes' home didn't stop there, though. In 1939, tragedy came knocking at the Ropes' door again, and with it, Abigail Ropes met her tragic end. Legend has it that Nathaniel Ropes' wife, Abigail, burnt to death in her dress while in the Ropes' mansion. However, the legend of Abigail Ropes is inaccurate. While Abigail did catch fire in the house, Abigail was Nathaniel's daughter, not his wife. It is said that Abigail's dress caught fire and ignited from the mansion's fireplace. Although it is uncertain when Abigail exactly tied, Nabby, so she is called, allegedly haunts the Ropes Mansion to this day. Those sensitive to the supernatural should stop by this mansion for a spell, and maybe Just maybe you'll meet the ghosts of Nathaniel or that of Abigail Ropes. The Ropes Mansion is a must-see for Halloween aficionados. And if you're into the movie Hocus Pocus like I am, this is one stop you're not going to want to miss. It was so fun to see it in real life. You can find the Ropes Mansion at 318 XS Street. And just a side note, Self-guided tours are offered free of charge on Saturdays and Sundays. Since the first Salem Haunted Happenings Festival during the Halloween weekend of 1982, Halloween in Salem has evolved into a month-long celebration, encompassing everything from family-friendly magic shows to costume balls, psychic greetings, haunted harbor cruises, ghost tours, and so much more. So whether or not you visit Salem seeking out its history, spooks and tales of haunted places, shopping, live music, or even have a taste of their vibrant food and spirits scene, there's no doubt that you'll surely find your very own All Hallows' Eve adventure during the month of October in the Halloween capital of the world. Okay, so what do you think? Will you put Salem, Massachusetts on your list to visit? Even if you're not into traveling to spook your haunted destinations, Salem, Massachusetts is a quaint and beautiful seaside town. Plus, it's just a quick drive or train ride from Boston, and most definitely worth a visit. If you do decide to visit, I encourage you to check out one of the many ghost tours being offered. I've linked to that one company, Ghost City Tours, in the show notes. Like I said in the last episode, I like them because they do their homework, and while they tell you all about the spooky ghost stories, they also do their research and try to decipher fact from fiction. In fact, all these stories I told you here today came from their website, and you can find them and many more at GhostCityTours.com. I've linked these stories, as well as some other fun facts about Halloween in the show notes, if you want to take a look. And with that, this episode of the Anxious Adventure, Spooky Edition, has come to its end. If you have a place you think is spookier or more haunted than the two I featured this month, New Orleans and Salem, let me know. I may just feature it next year. Thank you for joining me on this spooky trip to Salem, Massachusetts. I hope you enjoyed these haunting tales. And please come back for my next episode as we travel to our next destination to celebrate and learn all about el Día de los Muertos. Until next time, ciao, besos.